Our reading is from Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 17, right at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some of the tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home, praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name's Dave. I'm part of the preaching team here at St. Thomas's. And um, I feel I should really be preaching on Jesus stilling the storm uh, this morning, rather than this passage. You know, people often went to extraordinary lengths to encounter Jesus. Zacchaeus climbed up a tree so he could catch a glimpse of Jesus. A woman once gate-crashed a dinner party and washed Jesus' feet with her tears and dried them with her hair, and a woman who was so desperate for healing pushed through a crowd so she could touch the hem of Jesus' clothing. And in in today's passage, four men are so desperate to get their disabled friend to Jesus that they make a hole in the roof of a house and they lower their friend through it. Now Mark, in his account of the miracle, tells us that there were four men and he tells us that it took place in Capernaum. He says Jesus went back to Capernaum where after a few days word got around 
that he was at home. Now, some commentators uh, think that this miracle happened in Peter's house. But I, I like Tom Wright's uh, suggestion that, in fact, this was Jesus' house. It was Jesus' roof that they made a hole in. They vandalized the Son of God's property. Now, if somebody burst through my ceiling, I'm not sure I would have reacted as Jesus did. I might have uttered a few rude words. And I might not have been so keen to forgive their sins. But Jesus did not see what they did as an act of vandalism, but an act of faith. So as George says, we're beginning a series based on Luke's Gospel, All Eyes on Jesus. And the title of today's talk is, Who Does He Think He Is? So let's just pray before we look at this passage. Father, some of us come this morning very familiar with the stories of Jesus in the Gospels. Perhaps we've lived with them for a long time. Father, some of us perhaps are not so familiar with these, these stories. Father, wherever we are in relation to, to you this morning, I pray that you will just speak to us. Reveal Jesus to us. Surprise us. Help us to see new things. Challenge us. Even disturb us if we need to be disturbed. Father, open our hearts that we might see Jesus. Amen. So verse 20 of our reading says, Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. Now the NIV translation of verse 20 is slightly different. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. So when I read um, this verse in the NIV, three words grabbed my attention. Faith, friend, forgiven. So as we think about this passage, I want us to explore these three words. So firstly, Jesus saw their faith. So what can we learn about faith from these four men? Well, firstly, there was an expectancy about their faith. These men had expect the expectation that if they got their friend to Jesus, he would heal him. And the question is, where did this expectation come from? Why did they believe this? Well, maybe they'd heard stories and rumors about Jesus. Maybe they knew someone who had been healed. Or perhaps they'd heard Jesus preach and seen him heal people for themselves. Whatever the reason, they were determined to get their friend to Jesus, even if they had to make a hole in the roof. The question for us this morning is how can we develop that kind of faith? This expectation that Jesus can make a difference in our lives and in our circumstances, and in the lives of other people around us. 
Now, one way we can develop this kind of expectant faith is by engaging in the stories of Jesus recorded in the Gospels. And we can do that by reading through one of the Gospels, perhaps in one sitting, or reading several chapters in one go. Now, Mark is the shortest Gospel to do that with, but why not get ahead of the game with our sermon series and read through Luke's Gospel? That set aside uh, some time to read several chapters and get the general flow of the story of Jesus. But I want to share with you a particular way of reading the Gospel. And some of you may be familiar with this method. It's called Leto Divino. It's not a new method. It dates back to the 16th century and a man called Ignatius of Leola. And he was a soldier and he was injured in battle and he spent several months in a monastery uh, recovering. He was not a follower of Jesus. There were not many books in the in the monastery, there wasn't the latest Lee Charles or the latest John Grisham. They didn't have Netflix, so he couldn't watch the latest season of Stranger Things or Star Trek Discovery. You perhaps notice a theme there. But there were a couple of books. and One was The Life of the Saints and the other was The Gospels. And so he read the Gospel accounts of Jesus and he began to use his imagination and enter into the stories and he found himself being drawn to Jesus, and he became a follower of Christ. He later formed the Jesuits, and he wrote a book called Spiritual Exercises, which is all about how we can develop our relationship with Jesus and grow in faith. And in the book, he recommended using our imagination to enter into the gospel stories so that we can encounter Jesus for ourselves. And today's reading, the story of Jesus healing the paralyzed man, is absolutely perfect for us to do that. And on the back of the notice sheet, I've suggested some ways in which you could do that. Perhaps individually, or perhaps in your, in your life group. So one of the ways is to try and enter the story. Perhaps you are sitting in Jesus' house, listening to him talk and suddenly you're aware that bits of the ceiling start falling down around you. Actually, I said this at nine o'clock and, and somebody said, actually, there were bits of the ceiling falling down at the time. Uh, you don't need to panic. Apparently, it was some kind of dust or debris from one of the vents up there and it was actually coming down in the aisle, so don't need to panic. But, but how do you feel? There you are, you're watching this scene, somebody breaking through the ceiling, lowering a man. And what's the reaction of the people around you? Or you might be one of the, the men bringing their friend to Jesus. How do you feel? What expectation do you have? How do you feel when suddenly you get there and you can't actually get into the building? Or you might be the the man, the paralyzed man, lowered through the roof. And you imagine Jesus speaking to you. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Or we might imagine him saying something else to us. And as we 
meditate on, on that story, we then begin to turn that into prayer or into worship. But when we're reading in this way, we're not so much reading with our head, but with our heart. We're aiming not just to increase our knowledge, but to actually encounter Jesus and hear him speak to us. Perhaps to bring healing and wholeness to our lives. So the second thing we can learn about faith from these four friends is that our faith can have an impact on others. Family members, friends, our neighbours. Now it's interesting to note that Jesus responds to the faith of the four men. We're not told that the paralysed man had any faith at all. And I find this incredibly encouraging. Maybe the people that we are praying for or concerned about have no faith at all. Perhaps we're praying for them to come to Jesus. Perhaps we're praying for their healing. Perhaps we're praying for some difficult circumstances that they're going through. And as we're praying, we can be encouraged because this passage shows us that Jesus can bring healing, forgiveness and blessing into other people's lives through our faith. Now as I was preparing for this, I came across a sermon by C.H. Spurgeon. He was that great uh, 19th century Baptist preacher. And he called his sermon on, on this passage, Carried by Four. And in the sermon, he talks about the power of four people united to pray for one person. And he talks about them each taking a corner of the mat and carrying the person to Jesus. Isn't that a great image that we can use in prayer? And uh, he goes on to say this, and I've, I've altered the language slightly. He says, when four true hearts are set upon the spiritual good of a person... The holy hunger will break stone walls or house roofs. So this is a bit like the idea, I guess, for the houses of prayer. But what a difference it might make to a person's life if four of us got together to pray for a mutual friend or a family member, each taking a corner of the mat. And then we read, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, young man, your sins are forgiven. Now, the the Greek word here for for man is anthropy. It's uh, where we get the anthropology from. And it really means just man or human being. And Jesus here recognizes this man's humanity, his dignity, created in the image of God. Now, we don't know how long this man was paralysed. We don't know how he became paralysed. Our translation calls him a young man, but we don't really know how old he was. But this condition had become who he was, his identity. That's how he saw himself, and that's how other people saw him. In fact, that's how Luke sees him. The paralyzed man, we don't know his name. 
We don't know anything about him. But this was not how Jesus saw him. And we have to get beyond the labels that people attach to others. Migrant, refugee, homeless, disabled, prisoner. And we have to begin to see others with the eyes of Jesus. Now other translations of verse 20 have Jesus saying, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now there are a number of different ways in which the New Testament describes us as followers of Jesus. Disciples, children, sons and daughters of God, saints, sheep, never quite got my head around being called a sheep, but I wonder if we talk enough about the idea that Jesus calls us friends. In, G- in John's Gospel, just before his arrest, Jesus spends some time with his disciples up in the upper room, and he says to them, you are my friends if you do what I command. And he goes on to say, just as friends confide in one another, I've confided in you. Just as friends share themselves, share their feelings, their intentions, so I've done the same. And he goes on to say, you've not chosen me, but I have chosen you. See, Jesus is the one who initiates the friendship. It is Jesus who comes towards us with arms wide open to welcome us. And I wonder this morning, how do you respond to Jesus calling you friend? My friend. In fact, Jesus values that friendship so much, he gave his life for you, for me. And John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. He died to make that friendship possible. And this leads us to our final word. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, this is not how forgiveness should work. Certainly, that's what the religious leaders who were there thought. Who does Jesus think he is? Only God can forgive sins. And then only after the appropriate sacrifice had been made in the temple and various religious rituals had been observed. Jesus can't just go around forgiving people's sins. Now, there's many things we could say about forgiveness this morning, and it almost deserves a sermon just to itself. But I want quickly to observe just a couple of things. And the first one is that forgiveness is all about grace. Jesus freely, unconditionally forgives the man. The man doesn't ask for forgiveness, 
He doesn't confess his sin. But when Jesus sees him, he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. I don't know if he was expecting that. I don't know if the four, his four friends were expecting that. Perhaps they were expecting for Jesus to just get on and, and heal him. But Jesus recognizes that like all of us, this man needs forgiveness. Now we might find Jesus' spontaneous act of forgiveness shocking. Often when we come across stories of people who've forgiven other people, some of the most horrendous things. A few years ago, there was a, a, a man who forgave, I think he was a teacher, he forgave the boy who stabbed him. And we think, you know, how can they do that? Now the Bible tells us, talks a lot about repentance and confession of sin. Jesus himself urges people to repent, to change the way they think about things, to change the direction of their life. But what strikes me as I look at Jesus' interaction with people is that Jesus treats everybody as an individual. He hasn't got a formula. Sometimes he heals people without them even asking to be healed. Sometimes he forgives people when they don't even ask for forgiveness. And we mustn't lose sight of the truth that, that our forgiveness, our salvation, and our healing, our restoration, it doesn't depend on how thorough our confession is. It doesn't depend on how deep our repentance is. It doesn't depend on whether we promise in the future that we'll do better. It depends on grace. Now some of you may be familiar with the old hymn, Rock of Ages. And there's a line in that that goes like this. Could my tears forever flow, all could never sin erase. Thou must save, and save by grace. And finally, forgiveness has the power to change people. This man was carried to Jesus on a mat. He went home carrying the mat. He came to Jesus helpless. He left praising God, a new life ahead of him. Forgiveness breaks the power of sin in our lives. Because a lot of the power that sin has over us is to do with guilt and to do with condemnation. And that's why forgiveness is at the heart of salvation. Joseph was told to name Mary's forthcoming child Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. Zechariah prophesied over John, his son, that he would, um, he would give people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. So forgiveness is at the heart of what salvation is all about. 
Now, the Greek word for salvation is sozo, and it means healing, wholeness, restoration. And this man experienced God's sozo. He was spiritually healed by the forgiveness of his sins. He was physically healed by the command of Jesus. And he was restored to his community. He picked up his mat and went home, ready to live out his new life. We don't hear about the repentance of this man. But I think he went home a changed man. I think Jesus' his, forgiveness changed him. And that he did live a repentant life, a life in a different direction. Paul in Romans says that God's kindness is meant to um, lead us to repentance. So the, the man went home. This was the place that he was going to live out this new resurrection life. Now, Jesus could have said, you know, come with me. You know, you've got a great testimony. I want you to tell others what I've done for you. But no, he told him to go home. And that's where we live out this life of the kingdom, in our homes, in our community, in our neighborhood. So three words, faith, that expectant faith that Jesus will work in our lives and in the lives of others. A faith that can have an impact on those around us. Friend, Jesus calling us this morning, friend. And forgiveness. Friend, your sins are forgiven. They've been sitting for a while. Let's stand as we just respond to this. Let's just welcome God's Spirit to, to come, to be with us, and just to apply this, the truths in this passage to our hearts. And I believe perhaps this morning there's some here who just need to hear Jesus say, your sins are forgiven. No ifs, no buts. Perhaps in the silence we just receive that forgiveness. And maybe this morning some of us need to hear Jesus say to us, friend, my friend. Jesus offers us a life of friendship. Or maybe this morning you've come with a burden perhaps for other people, people who are on your heart. 
So perhaps in the silence, you imagine yourself taking one of the corners of that mat, bringing that person that you're concerned about. Perhaps that person who needs to know Jesus for the first time. Perhaps needs God's healing. And perhaps in our imagination we see Jesus speak to that person. Heal and restore them. Now in verse 17 um, we read, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. And as I was preparing this, um, I just felt the Lord um, just lay on my heart one or two kind of conditions that people might have here today. Now, I may be wrong, but I offer these in uh, humility. So first of all, I thought that um, there was somebody who had pain in the lower back. I thought there was somebody else who perhaps had limited movements in their shoulder. And somebody perhaps who's just recently been diagnosed with a heart problem. and somebody who's been um, suffering with stomach pains. Now, if that's you, there will be opportunity at the end of the service. There'll be people here who will be more than willing to, to pray with you about any of those things, or about anything from the sermon. Amen. Amen.